Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the TOD Project Podcast. Today is episode 34, like Shaq with the Lakers. Today we have a phenomenal guest um, by the name of Chris Vargas, somebody I look up to that's truly a mentor to me and thousands of other people around the world. I feel like this podcast is going to be so much value for every person that listens and watches this. So look, sit back, relax. If you got to grab some popcorn, whatever you got to do to tune in, to be comfortable while you listen to this great message that's about to be presented to you, let's get it. So Jared, how you feeling? I'm feeling amazing today. I actually had a really good day. Um, work was a little, uh, work was a little suspect, not going to lie, but you got to get through it somehow. Right. So um, it's, it's a temporary thing, you know, so I'm dealing with it. I'm dealing with it, but it was a good day. It's a good day. I came home, biked a little bit. It was kind of like my recovery day today. So I biked a little bit. It's hot as shit over here in Wisconsin. <laughs> so that was a little exhausting, um, but it's good. I'm happy to be back. That's for sure. Really happy to be back. Man, you're looking good in the triumph where, but um, <laughs> for our special guest, Chris Vargas, how are you feeling, my brother? Yo, my brothers. I mean, I'm feeling blessed, you know, grateful. Uh, you know, thank you for inviting me into today's podcast and allowing me to spend a little bit of time, you know, today just kind of going over some things that I think people really kind of need to hear. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice out here in Texas. We got the whole crew about 22 heads deep at the trade house. And so everybody's just been on the grind all day, you know, just reading calls. We just got back from the gym. So, you know, feeling great. So we're ready. Awesome. Awesome. Well, man, I guess just go into it. Intro kind of you, what kind of person, I guess, who you are, obviously, first, if people don't know um, what you kind of what you're all about, what you do, you know, let the people know who is Chris Vargas. So, I mean, man, you know, it's uh... a. <laughs> <laughs> long story but you know I'll keep it simple I mean you know I, I come from humble beginnings uh like most people who are first generation immigrants um you know I was born in Mexico came here to the United States at the age of three uh, my father brought me my mom my older brother we like packed into like uh two-seater car like sardines and take you know just to close our backs to start something new something fresh and you know it was definitely a challenge but I'm so grateful for that experience because it really makes you grateful for the things that you have. You know, I mean, growing up in Mexico when I was a baby, I remember, you know, having to take baths in like tin cans and even use a restroom in like, you know, tin buckets. And, you know, so very, very humble, right? And, um, you know, my family, it's kind of crazy. We have so much family, but my family history is, is pretty rich. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's happened in that, family history that, uh, first of all, motivates me to really, you know, want to do a lot in my life because I kind of look at it as I have really big shoes to fill. You see my great, great grandfather, he was a very influential musician in Mexico. As a, as a matter of fact, one of the biggest uh, musicians in his time who influenced pretty much the entire country, you know, everything from all the different musicians at the time, writing music for them, collaborating with them, but spreading a very positive message and, you know, a very loving message. He was just a very happy, happy guy. You know, if you look at some of his videos on YouTube, some of his older interviews, <clears throat> he was just always, you know, uh, looking to help people, looking to help people smile and, uh, you know, share a couple laughs if possible. And, you know, he was able to influence uh, even some of the biggest artists in, in Mexico that have now gone on to become legends themselves. 
And I see that as like, wow, you know, if, if he can do that and he can influence, you know, people to go and, and do all kind of greatness, um, you know, I wonder what I could do. And so, you know, I always kind of had those thoughts in my head. And I remember growing up hearing all the stories about him and everybody telling me how much I looked like him because they would always tell me that, you know, out of the whole family, I'm the one that kind of looks like him. They would call me little Pedrito and everything. And, you know, shout out to him, Pedro Arias. But, um, you know, my grandfather, <clears throat> so moving down a little bit, he was a serial entrepreneur. He was somebody that, you know, was doing a whole lot for the family. And I would say he, he's probably the most, you know, successful person, at least that I know about, you know, in, in my life. And, you know, people who have told me things about him and just hearing his stories just always makes me like smile and makes me really feel connected to him in a way, even though I didn't get to meet him because unfortunately he passed before um, I was born. And, uh, you know, they, they actually um, killed him because of his money. They, they were after his money. He didn't want to tell him where it was at. And, you know, unfortunately things went down that way. But like Drake, my, my grandfather, he was very smart. You know, he's like, when I die, I put my money in the grave. <laughs> exactly what he did. You know, he buried a lot of it. He had so much gold because he had turned a lot of his, you know, um, assets and liquidate, liquidated them and turned them into actual gold. And uh, he didn't trust the banks, you know, very smart men. I mean, back in the day, they were, they were more corrupt. And so he already knew and he mm -hmm. knew the value of gold. And it's crazy because, you know, I'm, I'm a, a trader at the end of the day. And my favorite pair to trade, my favorite instrument is, is gold. And so I definitely, <laughs> And I'm right there with you, Gramps, you know, um, all about that gold. And it would have been so nice, you know, to, to have that inheritance. You know, today that inheritance is worth upwards of $1 billion. And, you know, um, I always think, well, how different my life would have been, you know, mm -hmm. inherited a billion dollars. And, you know, he went on to do all kinds of stuff. I mean, he was a developer in, in Mexico, in California. He was pretty much creating whole cities and, you know, uh, doing a whole lot of amazing things. But um, after his guidance, after his leadership, and you know, after he was gone, the family didn't really have a mentor. They didn't really have somebody to take the lead or to be able to, you know, uh, continue to to grow and scale all these different businesses because of the great mindset that he had. So, due to a lack of education or whatever it was, um, you know, some of these uh, businesses kind of just ended up being taken by some of my aunts, uncles, and they went on to kind of keep you know, their own little piece of the pie. And so you know, I don't resent anybody for that. Um, I'm grateful that they're doing good, you know, but my father, he was, uh, he wasn't left with much. And so he had to kind of leave to the United States and start, you know, his own life from scratch. Um, he grew up with a lot of mental issues because of that. I mean, you can imagine, you know, um, it's like being stripped of everything and then kind of being cast out. And uh, he grew up, yeah, at least, you know, in my in my youth what I remember he grew up kind of like a, uh, a struggling you know alcohol uh, addict who was trying his hardest to take care of the family but at the end of the day the addiction would sometimes you know get the best of him and uh, it, would, it would cause us to get into a pretty big hole to where sometimes we would have to leave the house because you know we couldn't pay rent and we were late for you know three four months and ended up getting evicted and having to kind of move around a whole lot as a, as a kid made it to where I was always the new kid. I was always having to go out there and, 
you know, make friends and, and talk to, to strangers. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't have any like childhood friends that I've grown up with, like at all. And sometimes I kind of envy that. I always hear people talking about, man, I know this guy since we were six, you know, down the block. And I'm like, oh, that'd be so cool. Um, but, you know, regardless, though, I have I have more friends than I can count. And I'm super grateful for that. I think it stemmed from, you know, those early uh, moments growing up, having to move around all the time. Um, but, you know, long story short, uh, at the age of 15, I figured, man, I gotta, I gotta get out of the house. I gotta do something. There's, there's so much I could be doing, and I kind of felt like I was, you know, procrastinating on some of the ideas that I had. And uh, I wanted to definitely help my family. You know, my father by that time was already kind of recovering, and so um, he was doing a little bit better. But I remember um, right around then, my mother got really sick, and uh, she actually had a, a tumor that she had surgery for. I remember that surgery was like. It was crazy. I've never seen, you know, somebody in so much pain because I think one of the the hardest moments, you know, in my youth growing up was, you know, seeing my mother, um, you know, going uh, out of surgery in so much pain, telling me like, please, son, like, you know, like it's cool, like just just let me go, like I'm ready, like it hurts too much, like you know, I'd rather just go. And that broke me, you know, whenever I was little, I didn't know what to do. I was helpless. I, I had absolutely no money. So there was no way I could provide any type of, you know, financial aid or any type of um, better care or hospitals. And so um, that I think was kind of like the pivot tool moment for me that made me really get out of my ass and, and start doing something. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember, you know, I left the house uh, because I, I felt that uh, I was like mooching, you know, um, I felt that I was just like, kicking it and taking advantage and you know eating food I wasn't buying and um living in a house I wasn't paying rent for and I mean my parents never really bought me like too much clothes or um any type of like toys or games and stuff like that like most of it you know I remember I would have to go out there and earn it myself cutting grass selling candy bars like whatever it was and um you know I kind of just felt like you know what my dad started working when he was 11 I'm I'm 15 right now, so I'm way behind. <laughs> let me let me go out there into the into the real world and you know just figure it out and make it just like they did. And mm -hmm. you know, let me go and and chase this. Uh, um, what I feel is kind of a, like a life um, like task of making it all back for my grand for my grandfather and uh, you know being able to kind of set things right because somewhere along the line I don't know what happened but something went horribly wrong and. You know, it, it ended up causing this big shift to where my family, my parents weren't able to live the life that they really deserve because they're amazing human beings. I love them to death. They're my biggest wives. You know, most of what I do is is for them, is to be able to give them that life. And I was able to retire them last year. Um, this year for Father's Day, I uh, actually bought my father one of his uh, you know favorite trucks, which was a uh, Chevy Silverado C71 white in particular, because I remember when I was real small, I was in the fourth grade um you know one day we were like shopping for groceries and he'd come outside and the truck's gone and I remember that was his baby like when he first got that truck he was so happy like my father's a master mechanic and you know he loves cars and trucks and he loves Chevy and uh so he was just you know geeked on that thing and we had it for a good moment I remember going all over to Colorado and he would take us around and it was great you know and and so you know one day we come out and it's not there anymore and I'm real young. I don't really understand why, you know, or how that works. I don't know anything about repos and stuff like that. But 
I remember it broke him, you know, like it really like as a father, it just, it just broke him. And, um, you know, that, that really hurt him. And I always uh, had that vision since then, like, man, I'm, I'm gonna make this right. You know, like if I could, I would, right? Mm-hmm. I'll say so. Um, I was able to get that truck for him for Father's Day this year. He was super excited about that. <laughs> so again, my parents are everything to me. Like they, they really are my biggest why. And, um, you know, my story kind of starts a few uh generations back because you know um again i always felt that i had these huge shoes i had to fill and that's kind of one of the biggest motives why i'm so driven you know to to just strive for for the very top you know for as far as i can go um i think they set the tone for me i'm I'm super grateful for that um now currently i'm just at a stage where you know i i feel like i've accomplished um definitely a lot but I feel like I'm barely getting started. Like now I'm at this point where I can really scale and I have the resources, I have the tools, I have the people, I have all the ideas in stone to where I'm, I'm really focused on getting into every industry that I can. You know, I want to become a serial entrepreneur just like my grandfather was. Mm-hmm. And eventually I want to be a developer just like he was as well. Um, you know, some of my most recent ventures have uh, been the charter business. I just recently got into yacht chartering and uh, we have this 82 crew. So if anybody listening wants to go out there to the Bahamas or something like that with the family, <laughs> let me know. Right. Well, so selfless plug there for a second. <laughs> um, above and beyond though, it's so many different things that I'm currently doing that I'm, you know, growing, uh, like my, uh, I have a extract uh, production company based in Las Vegas. We just released nationwide. It's called Melts Extracts, and uh, we're actually about to collab with Cookies. So I'm super, super excited about that. You know, I'm, Cookies always been one of my favorite brands. Um, I, I love to partake myself, and I think that uh, being able to get into that industry is going to really teach me a lot more. Um, you know, just in general about this, because I really want to scale it up pretty big. You know, I think it's always been a big part of who I am. Um, it's always been, you know, a big part of, of what I do. And um, it's always been very um, medicinal to me. You know, I'm, I'm 30 years older and I turn 31 next year. And uh, every single time I meet people, they're always like, oh, I thought you were like 22, 23, 24. And they're always asking me, you know, what do you do? What's your secret? And I'm like, I'm just happy. <laughs> that's, that's really it. You know, stress is the number one um, thing that will cause aging. So, you know, stay as happy as you can. If you mm-hmm. For sure. Damn, that story was, I I would have had no idea. That was awesome. You said that. You, you got success in your generations, my man. It's only It's only inevitable, it sounds like. And, you know, it's crazy because not everybody in my family sees it that way. Um, I have so much family who they see what's, you know, what's, what's been done before um, and what we're capable of, but they, they settle, they, nah, you know, that's not for me. I'm, I'm just going to go do this little thing over here. And um, I really want to help my family uh, be able to reach, you know, their goals and dreams. My brother being one of them, he's, he's another one of my big whys and my big reason why I do things because when my father was kind of going through that phase of, you know, alcohol addiction, the only one who was kind of there for me as a father figure and was teaching me how to be a man was my brother, my older brother, Frank. And I love my older brother, Frank, to death. I mean, this is the guy that virtually raised me. You know, he's been my best friend. You know, if, if I have one childhood friend, it's him, you know, and um, currently he's, uh, he's working with General Motors. He's doing really well for them. He's like one of the higher ups uh, in the company here and, 
in Arlington and Texas. And, uh, you know, this is beautiful family. They're all great taken care of, but I know that he has so much more in store for him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of like at a point where he's like, I'm good. You know, I got my kids, I got my wife, we travel, like, that's all I want. And happiness is really doing whatever you want at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. you know, for him, that's, that's his goals and he's living it. And, you know, I can't do nothing about that. However, I know that he's got a lot more left in him. So we're going to be starting a, um, because cars are a thing, you know I mean? So I have a Supra and that's why I have a dealership. Cars are just one of my favorite things in the entire world. And uh, very soon, me and him are going to be opening up a custom body shop. So we're going to be doing all kind of custom work Ooh. for trucks, cars, for bikes, you name it. And I'm super excited about that. It's going to be kind of the way that I do art or NFTs because we might make them NFTs, you know what I'm saying? Like, like <laughs> add little things and touches to the car that like whenever you turn it on and it has your NFT right there, boom. <laughs> but Ooh. regardless, we're going to be doing a lot of amazing things. And, you know, it's it's it all starts with just going out there and wanting to create an empire to then be able to have the resources to, you know, tackle every single idea you've ever had. You know, mm-hmm. one of them is like a, a restaurant. I've always wanted to get into the restaurant business. Uh, growing up, Ratatouille was one of my favorite Disney movies. And I, was like, Man, I, <laughs> I used to cook it up in the kitchen. You know, mom wasn't always there. She had to work two jobs. And so I always had to kind of teach myself. And, you know, now um, I'm, I'm at a point to where I really want to get into two industries at once one is you know the restaurant business and the other one is uh more particular like with the vegan you know movement and um or vegetarian and i think right now it's a very good time to capitalize on that so uh very soon um you know god willing everything goes well uh along with some partners uh, some that you guys actually know you know shout out to uh, mike navarette my brother <laughs> this uh this vegan restaurant happen real soon stay tuned that's awesome. That's so awesome. It just sounds, it's, it sounds like you got a lot of ideas, a lot of ideas in that head. And I can only, damn, where can, uh, do you have any of these things public that we could, um, you, you're just going to have to message me so I can keep, so I can put those links, the public ones in the, in the description of this for you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'll send you all the information to all the different like pages, you know, because uh, I know that the distance between you and money is a problem. And so I like to become, you know, a professional problem solver. There's a lot of problems that, you know, people have. Uh, some people don't have transportation. Some people haven't taken their family out on a trip. You know, some people don't know how to increase their money. Some people don't know how to save or anything about credit. So all these different problems are things that I like to solve for other people. Because like Zig Ziglar says, if you can help enough other people get everything that they want in life, by default, you will have everything that you want. Sheesh. Yo, Chris, I got a question to ask you because, like, this is one of this is a question I've never asked anybody because nobody got on this podcast to me that I could really classify as a true, like, I wouldn't say legend. We've had legends on the call, but your life is like a movie. And so I was want to ask you, you know, what would you, what would you name your movie? You know what I'm saying? What would be the name of it and why? Oof, man, that's. That's a really good question. Um, movie's still going though, so you're like, you're, yeah. you're probably not even at the climax of the movie yet. Actually, yeah, no, you I'm, are I'm not, not at the climax. I'm, of the I'm movie not, yet. not at the peak yet. <laughs> so you you uh, got a distance before you got to title it. <laughs> I'm, 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 you know, I'm about a quarter in. <laughs> I want to live forever. I really do. I, I think you know at least 120 is doable, and you know if you can hold it up here, then it definitely can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the name of my movie would be Simpaternal. 
right? And and the reason why is because it's, it's something that just resonates just so much with me, with my vision, with my goals, with, you know, things that, uh, that I'm doing right now that I want to continue to do. And it's also the name of an album from one of my favorite um, bands, you know, shout out to Mike Miles. He's the one that actually put me onto this. And it's this particular album. Uh, if you go to Google and you look up Sempaternal album cover, you're going to see that it has in it the uh, flower of life pattern, right? And so this is the same thing that kind of changed my whole life, made me realize again who I was, you know, it, it put everything into perspective and made it all clear. And that uh, overall, it would summarize perfectly um, the movie of my life. Sheesh. So I don't even have to ask you, like, what book really changed your life? You just, you done put it up already. I was going to ask you that question. <laughs> Never mind now. No, there's a lot of, there's a lot of books. There's a lot of books that um, have greatly impacted me. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, I believe that uh, one of the, one of the things that is almost um, your responsibility to do is share the, share the knowledge with other people, you know? um if it's helped you it could help somebody out and uh, again you get what you give so the more that you give ultimately is going to come back to you tenfold one of the books that really really allowed me to understand some of the most um valuable principles of, of life which is love relationships happiness with yourself and others and you know understanding of you know the, the true nature of who we are and what our purpose can be you know because it could be ultimately whatever we want it to be but um, this book, it's, uh, it's a book that came to me in a very unorthodox way because I was already a little, at the time, uh, closed-minded to you know, certain things just because of what I thought I knew, right? Uh, we always sometimes let our ego get in front of our blessings. And um, sometimes when we think we know is when we don't know at all. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, to, a little backstory to kind of, preface on why this was uh, something that was hesitant to me at first is because the way I was raised, see, I grew up extremely, extremely religious. I actually grew up Mormon. And growing up in the Mormon faith, you know, I'm beyond grateful for that. First of all, I want to say, you know, if it wasn't for that and that experience and all the things that I was able to learn in this church, I would not be who I am today um, at all. You know, I'd be, I'd be somebody completely different. And, and so, again, I'm super grateful for those experiences. And growing up in the church, you know, I remember having to really study in depth. It wasn't just like a Sunday, you know, thing for an hour. It was like five times a week for like eight hours. And, you know, every single week since I was little, just constantly studying, 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 and constantly giving service to other members, you know, in the org and just other people in general. And um, that always kind of just, you know, taught me the importance of service. And it's given me a lot of really nice, um, you know, blessings from just being able to help others. So I know that, you know, in, in service, you know, there's always going to be a lot of fulfillment. And so that's the main thing that, you know, this religion, this faith teaches is service, right? To yourself and your, your fellow, you know, brothers and sisters. So I can't be mad at that. However, as I grew up and as I gained more and more understanding and I said, as I started asking more and more questions, um, eventually there's only so, so many questions that, you know, uh, one person can answer. Not, not one person has all the answers. And so that's really where I landed, you know, in, in my understanding is that I couldn't hold just this one thing to, to be the absolute truth, you know, and I'll give you an example. 
there are 7,000 languages in the world today. I only speak two. So imagine all the books and all the languages that I've never read. You know, all the subjects, all the philosophers, all the ideas, all the concepts, stories, all the beautiful experiences that I have no clue about because I don't even understand those other 6,000 plus languages. <laughs> so, you know, the way I look at it, I don't think it's right for any one person to say that they know how it is, or how it really is. You know, to, I don't think it's it's right for one person to be like, hey, everybody, you know, I had this realization and this is just how it is. And from now on, it's, it's just this way, period. Because, you know, I've, I've realized that as I grow older, the, the more I know, the more I realize that I don't know anything. It's like, I you know, I constantly keep learning things that just blow my mind. And I'm like, wow, you really don't know what you don't know. And so, you know, if, if there's the possibility that I could continue to learn more things, you know, how could I live my life according to something that I don't fully, you know, really know, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and I'm gonna say this in a, in a way that's not controversial because I know that sometimes people may, you know, be listening to what I'm saying and thinking, oh, you know, man, you know, he, he really needs some Jesus. <laughs> and let me tell you, <laughs> I love Jesus. You know, Jesus is one person that I absolutely follow. As a matter of fact, I bear the name of Christ. You know, my mother gave me that name because she really thought it was uh, something that she wanted me to remember my whole life, just to follow the example of Christ. You know, Christ consciousness is something I believe is returning to the earth very soon. And it's the awareness that all of us have the ability to, you know, live in that blissful state of mind to where it's all love. Because that's what he was preaching at the end of the day, was love. That was his message. And I believe that people who, you know, um, love Jesus and, and who, you know, uh, worship Jesus and who want to be like Jesus should really take what he did into their own lives and embody that. You know, I don't see too many people washing their neighbor's feet. You know, at the end of the day, he preached that you have to love your neighbor in a sense, because we are all one, you know, we're all connected, right? And um, it's not so much worshiping that I believe is what he would have wanted. I believe if, you know, he was standing next to me right now, he would probably feel like, man, I, I wish people just followed my example. I, I wish people just followed what I did, you know? I wish people just really loved each other unconditionally. I wish people were just humble enough to, you know, ride a donkey and show up somewhere, right? To, to be in that level of humility and um, I believe is, is something that, you know, more, more people have to practice, including myself. And, you know, I, I always try to as often as possible. So following Jesus to me is following his example, regardless of your faith. Just like with Buddha, you know, Buddha, when they asked Buddha, um, you know, after he was meditating all, all day long, they were like, man, you, you're always meditating. Like, what do you gain from meditation? And he said, nothing. But I'll tell you what I lost, anxiety, depression, anger, envy, jealousy, all these things that are, you know, negative to, to us, that affect us in negative ways. And then it leads all back to love. So, you know, for me, love is, is the highest frequency. It's, it's the frequency that makes me feel like I'm living in heaven. And so when I live in love, I'm, I'm there, you know, and uh, I believe that. I came here to this world to really remind people about love, um, unconditional love, <laughs> the type of love that you just give to everybody because you can't help but realize that 
they're also a part of you. Jeez. <laughs> okay, this past weekend, bro, you just spoke in front of like what five thousand plus people, and man, I seen you on stage. You look super confident. You was looking fresh and everything. What do you do to prepare yourself to you know be able to publicly speak? Because some people would rather die, literally rather die, than be able to open their mouth in front of other people. So it takes you know some skill set. It takes some 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 courage to get up there and do that. So what do you do to prepare yourself? So. You know, for me personally, I uh, I like to kind of get away from everybody for a little bit. I'll go in the hallways or in the restroom, you know, I'll wash my face. I'll, I'll do a little breathing, you know, I'll try to like recite some of the things in my head, right, you know, before I go up on stage so that they stay fresh in there. And one thing that I, I realized is very effective is that I think past, you know, the, 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 I don't know, I guess the initial feelings of, you know, uh, anxiety or uh, being nervous or stumbling or stuttering or anything like that. You know, I'm, I'm thinking like, man, I'm getting off the stage already and I killed it, you know, like I'm getting off and it was lit. And believe it or not, it's also the same trick that martial artists use to focus their chi energy. Um, for example, have you ever seen like those guys that like, you know, cut through like 10 bricks or, you know, cut through steel, like they're thinking past it. And so that's that's how they would, uh, you know, make that happen. And I think that public speaking is something that you have to grow into. I don't think that you can come into it and just, you know, absolutely kill it and crush it. Even though I've seen some people do it, you know, there's still a lot of techniques that you have to practice, like voice inflections. You know, you have to be good at transitions. You have to be good at uh, filler words and not using too many filler words like um uh, you know all those little things if anything pauses are better and all of those things just take time to learn because you know you, you can't teach experience you have to just grow through it and um i believe after you've done it so many times you naturally just get better of it because that's kind of how it works uh, one of my favorite uh people to listen to in leadership is john c maxwell and uh, he did this seminar where he was going over a lot of his secrets with everybody and they asked him about public speaking and they asked him how he's so good at it. And he's like, all right, you guys drove from, you know, some of y'all hours away. Some of you guys took, you know, the bus for a day. Some of you guys came in planes and, you know, got in that plane for six plus hours. And so because they all came and paid the price and made the efforts to be here today, I'm gonna go ahead and share that secret with you guys. So, so huddle up close, you know, listen, listen closely, write this in your notes. The secret is that I've done this 10,000 times. <laughs> and I was like, practice makes perfect. It makes sense. <laughs> so I think it's definitely something that you have to just kind of, you know, jump into. And even though you might stutter, even though you might use filler words, even though you might do all that stuff in the beginning, with practice, it'll, it'll always get better. And also feeling the energy of the crowd really helps. You know, whenever you have a, a great crowd, that's just there and they might see that you're a little nervous, but you know, they, uh, they cheer you on. It really makes you feel like I got this. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I've noticed too, because, you know, being a mentor to so many people, um, I always think of ways that I could spark that, you know, uh, desire to maybe not want to be a public speaker, but to at least be on stage sharing their story with other people, because somebody in that, you know, crowd is going to feel it and it could change their life. 
And so I just give them the spotlight, you know, without them really asking for it. You know, one thing that we do in our organization, every time that somebody's new in the business, we do kind of an initiation where we let them share their story and we let them get in front of a crowd, whether it's virtually or in person. And every time, almost every time when they get out of that stage, they feel good because they're like, man, you know, I got so many compliments on my story. So many people told me that they related to me. So many people told me that what I said inspired them. And so that right there sparks and ignites that passion for, I think I kind of want to speak in the stage. It's cool. You know, I love being able to impact in that way because it really is just multiplying your efforts, having a crowd versus just, you know, a one-on-one. And so um, after being on stage with 5,000 people, I could tell you this, you know, I didn't say half the things I wanted to, our time was very cut. And so that's another thing you have to get good at is being able to speed through it and say a lot of valid points in a very short amount of time. You know, I noticed that the best person that did it, that did it to the T literally finished on the second was Eric Thomas. Mm. And his whole presentation was like, I, that's, it penetrated my soul. It spoke right to me. I needed to be there. And I'm so grateful I got to be front and center and, you know, really take that in and seeing his level of professionalism, seeing how good he does it, it just lets me know, okay, I got to do this another 10,000 times. <laughs> so what do you think of the saying, or I guess the embodiment to some people of live in discomfort? What does that, what does that kind of mean to you? Um, I think it really means, you know, um, push yourself uh, out of your comfort zone. Because as we all know, nothing great ever happens in your comfort zone. Um, you know, the grave is where most dreams go to die. It's the most expensive place in the entire world. Um, think of all the ideas that never, you know, came out from that. All the businesses that never got created. All the amazing ideas that had to just been put down in paper, taken action on, and been implemented, could have changed the world. And, you know, it, it didn't happen that way. And so... I believe that you have to really execute on those ideas whenever they come to you. And, you know, it's uh, it's something that a lot of people aren't willing to do because they're not willing to take risks, you know, but not realizing everything in life really is a risk. I mean, if you drive to work, you're already taking a risk. If you take the bus to work, you're taking a risk. If you take the subway to work, you're taking a risk. You know, however big or small it is, everything in life is risks. And, um, you know, understanding that, I guess it kind of allowed me to calculate risks a little bit better. And then that kind of led me into what, you know, what I do now, which is my bread and butter. And that's the world of trading because it's all just calculated risks the same way, very much like a bad relationship could be a bad risk, you know, a bad trade, it's the same thing. And so once you're able to determine those factors and you get really good at calculating probability and you're like, you know what, I'm going to use discernment. I'm going to use my knowledge so I don't make the same mistakes again. And, you know, if this feels right and resonates with me, then, you know, let's go ahead and, and do it. If I fail, oh, well, you know, at least I tried it. And if I do it and it works, you know, what if? Because you never know, you know, all these ideas that you have, if you were to put them down on paper and execute on them, one of them is going to make you a millionaire. You know, one of them is going to change the world. And, you know, I think that it's really important to, to take opportunities, um, you know, by the horns and just ride it. And even if you don't know right away, you know, still do something and learn along the way. But the worst thing that you could do is stay in your comfort zone and not chase those dreams, not go after those things that you want to do. Because if you're in your comfort zone, time flies, man. <laughs> like, as I tell people all the time. But the good news is you're the pilot. 
where are you steering that plane? Or is it just on autopilot, right? And um, because time flies by so quickly, I, I feel that if you don't do what's absolutely necessary to position yourself for greatness, then, you know, before you know it, you're going to wake up 10 years later, still at mom's, still having the same job, still driving the same car and wondering, you know, why you're not happy. And so, you know, I think that you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone as hard as it's going to hurt or as much as it's going to hurt still do it you know when i first got into the world of entrepreneur um i remember I, I i had two places that i was paying for even though i didn't live at both of them at the same time obviously i'm just one person but that just goes to show again how little i knew about money um because i wasn't even home all the time i was working all the time and i was only home on sundays you know staying in between two different spots but i was comfortable you know i had all my stuff there i was comfortable i was chilling and it was my own space. Nobody could tell me nothing. You know, essentially, I could be as messy as, as I wanted to, even though I wasn't. But, you know, I could I could do whatever I want. And nobody would have to tell me, hey, get up, you know, work or do this, do that, you know, wash the dishes. Like, none of it. And when I started, I remember telling myself, if I don't put myself in an uncomfortable position, I'm not going to be able to grow. So I got rid of the penthouse, got rid of the high rise. And I moved in, me being you know, a grown man, 25 years old, moved in with two other grown men, also 25 years old. And I was like, yo, I'll sleep in the floor. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like, you know, I got rid of the uh, Corvette that I had at the time. It was real nice, real comfortable. But, you know, when I first went all in into trading, I left my job. And so I didn't have an income anymore. And I realized I had to cut back on a lot of things that I didn't really need. And, you know, essentially had to give up to go up. So got rid of all those things put myself in a very uncomfortable position because since I left the house when I was 15, I never had roommates. And now all of a sudden, 10 years later, here I am having two of them mm -hmm. running a trade house with hundreds of people coming in and out every single day. So it was extremely uncomfortable for me at first, but that's what was necessary. That was a price I had to pay in order to get here. Sheesh. All right, our podcast is titled uh, The TLD Project which stands for triumph over defeat. And so we like to bring people on that clearly, you know, you, you went through a lot of, uh, you know, struggling times and everything like that. Um, but what was that one moment where you were like, you thought about giving up, you're like, I don't know if I'll be able to keep going, like, but you kept going and then you had that breakthrough. What was that moment for you? So I think uh, in 2016, that was really the moment for me because, um, you know, when we embarked on this journey of, of learning, you know, about the financial uh, instruments that you can trade in from stocks to cryptos to Forex, you name it. Um, you know, I, I had this perception at first that I was going to come in and get rich, you know, my first month. You know, I really thought I was going to come in and be a millionaire, like, you know, overnight um, because I'd seen other people do it. Or at least, you know, I thought I'd seen other people do it. You know, a lot of the times you don't know what's out there on social media and you know, some of it isn't even real. But seeing it out there gave me this false perception that, you know, I could easily do it. And I started chasing the money. And then I realized, you know what, if you just chase the money in this game, you're always going to get got because it's all psychology based. Like you have to really understand that it's observed the masses do the opposite. You know, they bait everybody. Everybody takes the bait and then the big players win. And that's really how it works. So it's it's more so having the patience to wait for the manipulation to take place and then get in, you know, when the big 
whales to get in and be able to just ride the wave with them to be able to reap those same rewards. But, you know, at first, my first year learning all of this, uh, I didn't make any money. I actually uh, took a huge pay cut. It was crazy because like my taxes from 2015, you know, were like a quarter mil. And then my taxes from uh, 2015 were like a goose egg. Like I, I didn't make no money that year. So that was a huge challenge for me because, you know, I quit my job, risked it all, went all in, even sacrificed my relationship at the time to really chase this dream. And, you know, you're working as hard as you can for a whole year, um, only losing money through trading. And then uh, the team that I was building in 2016, at the very end of the year, everything came down to a halt because the FTC passed a new regulation in the industry. And at the time, you know, we didn't qualify for the, uh, for the, things that allowed us to even receive commissions. So when our commissions stopped coming in, I remember I saw people go, you know, homeless again, people lost their penthouse or cars, and it was very tough. And, you know, the business almost collapsed overnight. And so here I am, you know, I've sacrificed everything, including my girlfriend. I'm back at my mom's house because I didn't even have a place to live at the time. And I'm just like, do I just go back to work? Like, do I fold? Like, what do I do? You know, is this a sign? Is this God, the universe telling me to stop, you know, that it can't be done? Or is this a challenge? You know, is this my test? Because you can't have a testimony without a test. And so I realized, nah, this, this is the test. You know, no wonder. It's, it's so hard because this is the, the test I've been prepping for. So I, I realized, okay, it's not up to, you know, anybody else but me, right? Matt Rosa says, if it's up to be, it's, or if it's, um, meant to be it's up to me and so you know i really think that you have to take things into control you know you can't just like let chance dictate your life and then call it you know destiny i believe that you create your own destiny and so um for then that moment for me was you know what i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fold you know i'm gonna this is gonna be that moment that i'll be known for this is gonna be that thing that changes everything and so in 2016 we revolutionized you know, the industry, we changed the platform that we're working with, um, revamped it and made it sexy. And, you know, we're able to provide a lot more value because we created new ways to bring this information, you know, to the mainstream for the masses and do, do so in a way that they've already been doing it, you know, like learning how to play video games. You know, we made it easy. And so that revolutionized everything. And long story short, you know, um, that was able to really, uh, catapult us to success in this industry and allow us to at the same time bless the lives of you know tens of thousands of people which I'm, I'm super grateful for but had I said you know what all right, all right mom I'll go back to work that's where I would be right now mm -hmm. what were you doing um before you decided to take that chance um well this was like a year into the the whole phase of me already getting into entrepreneurism mm -hmm. but before that i was uh, i was working um for uh, different travel companies like wyndham hilton marriott rci um basically just helping train and develop uh, teams for sales and uh you know i was teaching psychology teaching them how to speak to people how to connect to people essentially i was marketing and doing a lot of what i'm doing now mm -hmm. but for somebody else versus for me and so that was the biggest difference because, you know, doing it the old way, I couldn't take time off if my boss said I couldn't. I couldn't create my own schedule. Um, I couldn't dictate 
really what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it or how I wanted to do it. And I remember um, Prince, the, uh, you know, the, the musician, uh, a long time ago, he wrote on his face, um, he wrote slave, like big letters, slave. And they asked him, you know, why'd you do that? He said, if I can't say what I want or do what I want, what am I? And so I felt that one, you know, and that was just one of those things that really started to, to plant those seeds inside my head that made me realize I, I don't want a job. You know, I don't want to work for somebody else. I don't want somebody else to dictate my freedom. Essentially, I don't want to be a slave. And I think that it was really that that made me, you know, want to just chase that dream even harder, regardless of the risks or everything that, you know, was standing in the way. For sure. <laughs> All right. So, Chris, you know, I admire what you what you do with Trade House. And so I like to I like to study other people that built things. And you built a amazing family, amazing community with Trade House. And me and Jared are on our road to, you know, build Triumph Company. In October, it'd be a year. Um, and this, fir this first year, yeah, we haven't made a whole lot of sales and a lot of profits, but we learn more about ourselves. And so what would you say to any entrepreneur that, you know, wants to start a business or just started one? Uh, what would you tell them to do to like, you know, keep going and to be able to prosper in it eventually? So I believe that there's a lot of, musts you know in business like for example you must be around the right energy because you know the the world of uh, business is is pretty tough and if you know you're not around high energy or you know good frequency you know um good vibes you're around negativity it's, it's going to make it 10 times harder you know one of my favorite books is um uh, written by w clement stone which is um uh it says think uh or i'm sorry success through a positive mental attitude you know so it's written by w clement stone and napoleon hill and it talks about how just having a positive you know attitude can really catapult your success if you're just the most optimistic person in every scenario and you're constantly just expecting the best it's going to happen to you right and um you know i think that those things really impacted me a whole lot to be able to um create whatever environment I wanted for myself because I wasn't around the negativity. I wasn't around the naysayers. You know, I would cut that out real quick. Whenever I started trading, I remember I told my uh, my best friends at the time, hey, you know, I'm going to go into this. Like, who's coming with me? You know, like, let's, let's get rich together. Let's do this. And nobody took it serious. Nobody, nobody even cared. You know, they didn't even, like, want to know. And so I realized in and there that you can't make people want it. And, you know, if I want it more for somebody than they want it for themselves, it's just not going to work to begin with. So, you know, go out there, find the people that want to make things happen. You know, don't waste your time with people who aren't serious and surround yourself around the right environment. If your environment at home is negative, it's toxic, you know, it's non-supportive. And that could even be with your spouse. You know, you have to, again, give up to go up. And it's not forever. You know, you don't have to like tell the family, hey, I'm disowning y'all. But be like, yo, I'm, I'm out for a little bit. Like, y'all aren't going to see me until I'm right, you know, because I need to get right first. You got to essentially fill your cup before you can pour onto others. And so, you know, those are just some of the sacrifices that you have to make. A lot of people sometimes aren't willing to do that. But those are the very, very, you know, essential musts in businesses. You have to understand that that's what it takes. And also, it's going to take a lot of work. So understand that... You know, you don't have a boss making your schedule. 
and you don't make your schedule, nobody's going to do it. You have to really, really be on top of time management. Time management is absolutely everything because there's a lot of people who go into business and I've seen this happen a lot, not just in trading or marketing, but in so many different types of ventures. And then they only work two or three hours a day, meaning they're willing to work harder for somebody else than they are for themselves. That's the number one mistake most entrepreneurs make. Whenever you're launching a business, instead of working eight hours a day, you should be working like 10 hours a day. 12 hours a day, barely sleeping, sacrifice sleep for a little bit so that in the future you can sleep wherever you want, on your yacht, on your island, on your helicopter, on your jet. You know, it's it's really much like that. So I think um, another must in business is personal development. You know, personal development is the biggest thing that has helped me get to where I'm at by giving me the mindset necessary to keep up with all of this because if you don't have the mindset to go along with the wealth, it's not going to last. This is the reason why everybody who wins the lottery goes broke after a few years is because they just don't understand how money works and they don't have the mindset for it either. They don't have patience. They're very, you know, um, impulsive. They uh, don't know how to spend. And so all those reasons is the reasons that a lot of people lose their wealth. You know, I want people to really come into this space and be able to not just get rich, but stay rich and then, you know, duplicate that and scale that out. And personal development is going to be the key to do so. So, you know, before, uh, before, you know, I go, I can't forget to give out some of the sauce back to the family. I started talking about this earlier, but the reason I was saying about, you know, religion is because after leaving the church, you know, for a while, I kind of resented the word God, you know, after, after uh, being confused about the nature of God, I, I would sometimes cringe when people were like, God, this, you got that. Cause I'm in my mind, I'm like, but like, you're just saying that because of what you've been taught, you know, like you don't really like know. Um, and I'll give you one really contradict or controversial, I should say, example. And that's uh, expressing the, um, even the nature of God. You know, everybody says him, but that got changed in history, you know? And uh, again, you know, I used to resent hearing that because it was like people saying it who didn't know. And I realized that the problem in most, you know, um, different topics is that people know enough about a subject to think they're right, but they don't know enough about the subject to know they're wrong. And, you know, that just comes from reading the first chapter of a book, but never finishing it. <laughs> <laughs> so i i really believe that the more that you know the, the more you realize you don't know anything at all so to even say god is a him or god is a her is beyond me you know and and uh whenever i first heard this book it was actually my girlfriend jennifer lopez who was listening to it because she was going through her spiritual religious you know journey breakthroughs or whatever trying to understand what it is that she even believed in herself and uh, this book was recommended to her by somebody else and so, you know, at the time, like I said, I was very close off to, to some of this information just based on the name, just on that word. And um, she was listening to it, you know, in the shower one day in Spanish. And I didn't know what book she was listening to, but I kind of just like stopped what I was doing. I was just like listening. I was like, yo, this is like, this book is, is speaking to me right now. Like, this is some truth right here. You know, like, this is crazy. I've never heard anything like it. And I asked her, you know, what book is that? And she said, Conversations with God. And so I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's different. You know, there's another very controversial book 
that I highly recommend to people to read, and it's called Outwitting the Devil. And, you know, a lot of people won't read that either because of that word, because of that title, just because it has that name in it. They're going to be like, oh, I don't want nothing to do with that, you know, but you don't know what you don't know. And a lot of the times, like I said, your pride blocks your blessings, you know, and you stand in front of your own blessings. And so you have to really just be open, you know, and, and you know, decipher the information. If it resonates, it resonates. If it doesn't, then move on. But, you know, I know that both of those books, Outwitting the Devil and Conversations with God, are an absolute must in every household and every entrepreneur's hand because it'll teach you a lot about people. It'll teach you a lot about integrity. It'll teach you a lot about ethics. It'll teach you a lot about uh, growth and development. And it kind of answers your questions to everything in life. You know, for me, it really did. And so that's why um, those two are definitely in the top five favorite. But um, also, I would say uh, if you really want to grow any business, you have to read How to Build an Empire by Brian Carruthers, right? That's a, that's a, that's what we're on right now. And trust me, it's, it's helped us get to where we're at. Um, and, you know, besides like just business and personal development, you have to really understand a lot about history, about math, about, you know, the nature of how this world works and operates, about things that have gone down that nobody really talks about. So I would recommend this right here. This is called Secrets of the Flower of Life by Drew Volo Melchizedek. So I think I gave enough sauce mm -hmm. to people with just those. <laughs> but, you know, that's the way that you really grow and scale in business is to always continue learning, always continue, you know, growing your connections, your resources, meeting more people along the way, and um, really just not being afraid to take risks. Sheesh. All right, guys, this podcast has been amazing. I feel like we can end it here. He's going to give us so much sauce. Jared, I don't know. I don't know how you're feeling right now, bro, but I ain't gonna lie. I'm energized, bro. I'm about to start reading and everything when I get off this, get off this podcast. I uh I already pulled up Amazon to find uh building an oh. empire. So I'm I'm buying that tonight. So <laughs> good, great, great suggestion. Great suggestion, oh, man. my man. I appreciate you. So good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I appreciate you guys for inviting me on here as well. Um, definitely it's been a you know pleasant time talking with you boys. Uh look forward to you know, in the future, collabing again sometime. So mm -hmm. anything For you sure. guys need from me, y'all know where to find me, Wake Up With Vargas on Instagram. You know, shoot me a message. Um, Again, you know, there's a lot of different things that I'm on. So whether you're looking for a car, a good time, or you just want to learn some stuff, hit me up. For sure. Jeez. Well, guys, I mean, that has been episode 34 of the TOD Project. Again, all of Chris's links will be down below in the description. Um, if you are on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, scroll down underneath the podcast. You'll see all of Chris's stuff. Get in connection with this man. You have, you obviously know by now, if you've listened till now, he's a very, very, very knowledgeable man. And he welcoming you guys with open arms if you have any questions. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming out to episode 34. Again, Chris, loved having you on. Loved having you tell your story. Just spew out the information that you gave us today. Very grateful for that. Uh, but anyways, guys, we will see you guys in episode 35. Take it easy. Have a fantastic rest of your day.